coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation. It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Curtis. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast. I'm Tyler, and joining me today to hand out our mid-season report card grades is my co-host, Curtis. And yeah, I know, we've only played four games out of a 10-game schedule, so technically, mathematically, it's not exactly mid-season. But, come on, it's close enough, right? At the very least, we're heading into our fifth game, which would put us firmly at mid-season. And, you know, once we get back off the bye week with games to recap, we don't really have a chance to work in a show like this. So if it's going to happen, it has to happen this week. And we will get to the report card momentarily. But first, I do want to quickly thank Daddy Dog 72 for the latest awesome five-star review of the show on Apple Podcasts. I know we say a lot, but we really appreciate that. And those five-star ratings and reviews help us out in such a massive way. They really do. And it was awesome to be able to tell you guys, to share with you, that we had the best month in the history of this show last month. And I'm excited to say that we've actually already done that again this month. We broke the record that was set just last month, early last week. And and it's still counting. we still got a a week or so to go the rest of this month. And I firmly believe, guys, that all those five-star ratings and reviews that so many of you helped us with over the spring and summer very graciously, I really do believe that those ratings and those reviews are a really, really big part of that. I mean, think about what you guys do when you're searching for a new podcast. I know I do it. The first thing I do when I'm kind of just searching around browsing, I first check, okay, what is the rating? Then look at how many ratings that podcast has. And then I go read some of the reviews to see if it's worth my time. And I think that a lot of potential new listeners are seeing those five-star ratings and reviews and giving us a shot. So as I have said many, many times on this show, but I really don't think it can be said enough But thank you guys. Sincerely, thank you for all the support. We could not do it without you. We really do mean that. But all right, let's talk some football. And this is something Curtis and I, we've done every year during the bye week since we started this show going back. I forget now, was it five or six years, Curtis, something like that. But this year we pushed it back to this week instead of the actual bye week because we wanted to work in the quarterback episode, kind of going back and looking at Kirby Smart's history with the quarterbacks here at the University of Georgia, looking at his past, his present, and the future the rest of the season at the quarterback position. We really felt like that was an important episode to get in coming off the Alabama game. But today we are finally handing out our midseason grades position by position. And why not, guys? Let's go ahead and start with a position that is that is certainly at the forefront of everyone's mind, and that, of course, is the quarterback position. We talked a lot about this last week. In fact, we've talked about it a lot all year long from day one, really going back to the preseason. We've been talking about the quarterback position, and that's not changed at all. Here we are basically at the midseason point. So, Curtis, I'm going to put it to you, man. What grade are you giving the quarterback position through four games? Um, I'd probably give it a C plus, a B minus. I th- I'll go with a B minus. That's exactly why I am. Okay, but I'm, I'm curious to hear your take on that. I think a lot of people would probably disagree with us and be like, hey, it's a straight up F, right? I think a lot of people in the fan base after the Alabama game would say that. I'm not ready to go that far yet. I'm exactly with you. I have a B minus as the grade right now. So justify that for us. I think you have to look at the Arkansas and the Auburn game. I think those are the two games that really give us the grade, the, you know, the grade that we go with. Um, you know, the Tennessee game wasn't great. 
realistically, but they, he still played well enough to give us the win, you know, completed some balls. I mean, we weren't running the ball very well, so it really was the quarterback play that won us that game. The only game that we really saw how bad the quarterback play was and that cost us the game was the Alabama game. So outside of that, I thought, I mean, maybe Dewan's overall grade's not very good, but I thought Stetson's been dependable. Um, he's made some very nice plays. Um, so you can't just sit here and discount his effort and everything he's done. Yeah, and maybe I I should count Dewan Mathis for this, but I mean, we saw him for basically a quarter and a half, if that, in game one. So he really didn't factor into this for me. This is really based on Stetson Bennett and my take on him right now. So I'm with you here. And here's what I would say about Stetson. Guys, Stetson hasn't been bad. He hasn't. Has he, Curtis? Stetson been a bad quarterback for us? Um, no. I mean, he hasn't really cost you the game until, you know, really through three picks. But outside of that, I mean, he hadn't done anything really that was bad, no. Yeah, I mean, I think he's been exactly what we thought he would be. And I think he's been exactly what Kirby thought he would be in terms of being a stable, smart quarterback, making good decisions with the ball. Although certainly some of the decisions that he was making against Alabama were very questionable. I think part of that was him trying to press and trying to, once they started to score and feel like we had to keep pace with that, we kind of got away from ourselves. And he, he kind of got away from himself as well in terms of what he is in there to do. But that's still the anomaly. I know we've only played four games, so it's still an incredibly small sample size to work with here. So you can say one out of four games was a bad game. But most of the season, Stetson has been fine. He hasn't been bad. But the problem is he just hasn't been elite either. And I have become firmly convinced, maybe I'm late to the party. That's fine. You can say that. But I'm firmly convinced for us to win a national title, we need an elite quarterback. The college football game has changed. It's about quarterbacks and receivers you've got to be able to be dynamic in the pass game to take advantage of all the things that offenses can do now whether it's rule changes or innovations offensively to really maximize what you can do offensively you need ideally an elite dual threat quarterback but an elite quarterback nonetheless and Stetson's been good Stetson's been fine he really hasn't been bad but he hasn't been elite and that's my argument against Stetson it's not that he's been bad he hasn't been bad but we've seen this story before. And you guys know for years I was the president of the Jake Fromm fan club. Not because I thought Jake Fromm was like the best quarterback in the country. I do think that Jake Fromm was a very steady, stable quarterback for us and took an undue amount of criticism. I think that was related to Justin Fields being on the team and, and, and so on and so forth. And so that, I kind of had to have his back on that. I, di- I didn't think he was like a top three quarterback nationally, but I thought he did a lot of really good things for us. And I don't necessarily think that he got the just do that he probably deserved. Um, kind of like Aaron Murray for years. Aaron Murray, think, think back to that. Like he just never. I don't. I still don't feel to this day that Aaron Murray got as much respect from the Georgia fan base, and I don't think he was appreciated to the level that we should have appreciated him. Maybe when we got when he got to his senior year, but I thought Aaron Murray was really good for us for a long time, and just never got that love in the moment. I think people now are going back and saying, you know, it's, Aaron was a really really good quarterback for us, but that wasn't the consensus thought about him when he was here. And I'm not saying that we're going to feel the same way about Jake Fromm. I don't think that we will. But Jake won a lot of games for us, a lot of really good things for us through his time here in Athens. But he was never an elite quarterback, and and that's the fact. He was a very efficient quarterback, and his numbers in 2018 were actually really good. But I still don't think he was an elite quarterback. And so we've seen this story before. We've been really good for a long time with those kind of quarterbacks. But we need more. If we need to win, if we want to win a national title, we need more. And I'm just not sure Stetson is that guy. And JT Daniels might not be either. I, I can't sit here and say with a straight face that I'm convinced JT Daniels is going to be that elite quarterback. But I would also argue that we don't necessarily know that he's not. 
there's still the the possibility that he could be that guy. And look, we still don't know his health status and and how far, how far back the injury set him in terms of learning this offense and so on. And so forth. all those issues, we don't know all those answers. But all I do know is I think Stetson's a good quarterback for us. I think we can win most of the games on our schedule. In fact, I think we can win out with Stetson at quarterback. I just don't know if we can win the SEC title, get in the college football playoff, and if we do get in the college football playoff, can we actually do anything? with the, this version of testament that we've seen so far. And he's still a young, I mean, he's not young, but he's still inexperienced. Maybe he can continue to grow. That's certainly possible. Maybe we'll see a different Stetson the rest of the way. But what I've seen so far hasn't been bad, hasn't been elite. But, I mean, if you look at Stetson right now, he has a top 10 QBR nationally. I don't think a lot of people realize that. His QBR, his total QBR nationally is top 10. Now, I know that we only had three conferences playing for a while, but he's ahead of some guys that you would probably think would be ahead of him. Matt Corral, Spencer Rattler, he's ranked ahead of him in, in total QBR right now. He's ahead of Dylan Gabriel, Ian Book. Those bigger names, he's actually produced better numbers, statistically more efficient uh, with based on the QBR numbers. He's actually only one-tenth of a point behind Trevor Lawrence right now. Obviously, he's not a Trevor Lawrence caliber quarterback, but from an efficiency standpoint, he's been right around that same level. But he's also still not Justin Fields. He's not Trevor Lawrence. He's not even Mac Jones right now. I would take Mac Jones right now and say we're going to win the national title. But he's just not that. Uh, and I think as defensive competition has improved and teams have gotten more tape on him, if you look at his numbers closely, guys, his completion percentage numbers have steadily decreased from week one to Yeah, because teams four. know he's not going to stretch the field, the ball downfield, and they're really sitting on the intermediate routes, taking that away from him. Um, you know, I've always said I think that that's where he's, his strength is. And, I mean, realistically, that's why I went with the B- minus because once teams start getting film on him, he has been a completely different quarterback. Like I said, he's he's human now. That's because yeah. teams have more film on him. It's a great point. It's one thing to come in off the bench late in the first half against Arkansas when they have no tape on you whatsoever. They did not even think about preparing for you. And you come in and you do some really good things and you you play smart. You you show some grit out there. You show some guts. You ride the team. That's great. But now as teams actually can game plan for you, we saw what Alabama did. We talked about this last week. Just sitting there watching his eyes, knowing he's sure. He could clearly tell they were coached to just stand there and try to bat those balls down. And some of those bad balls were huge plays in that game. And other, other quarterbacks get balls bad down. Even the taller quarterbacks, it happens. But it's going to happen more consistently with a guy that, that that is that size. And Kirby can say all he wants that, and I'm sure he has some numbers to back this up, that you know size and height is not the number one indicator of batted balls. And maybe that's – and I'm not saying that's not true. I just have a hard time – buying that I need to see those numbers and maybe it's a little bit more about you know the the point of release with your arm level and where that is but Stetson that I think that's going to be an issue and, and so teams have adjusted to him as they've gotten more tape on him I think that has that has impacted his numbers and his play so what we're going to do coming out of this bye week because I think Stetson's probably going to be the guy is we are just going to have to adjust ourselves and do things differently roll the pocket move the pocket you know get him outside the pocket a little bit more so they don't have the opportunity to just bat balls down when he's sitting there in the pocket. Now, we can't do that every play because that creates its own issues, but we've got to try to adjust as well and, and be flexible in what we've been doing with them. Teams have, they've certainly got the tape on them. They've adjusted, and now we're going to have to see what the next adjustment is. But I think a B-minus is is, is, is about right for where Stetson Bennett is at this point, and, and he can improve on that, but I think he's been – outside the Alabama game, he's been good enough for us to win, obviously. Now, Alabama, I wouldn't say that he lost the game is what I said last week, but – he was certainly a major contributing factor to that loss. And that hadn't been the case. So right now, it's still the anomaly through four games. Let's see if it becomes more the rule as opposed to the exception. All right, moving on, Kurt. Sticking with the offense, let's move to the wide receiver unit that Stetson Bennett has been throwing to all year. What grade would you give our receiving core? I think I'm going to go the 
a B, flat out B. I think they've done pretty well, especially given, you know, the limitations they've had, especially at the quarterback play. Um, I think they've done pretty well. Except out of, outside of Matt Landers, you really haven't seen many drops or anything like that. And I think that's been the biggest thing that has helped us is the drops haven't been there as much this year. And even going into it, I thought, the you know, Munkin has done a good job of scheming these guys open. So the fact is that they're getting separation and getting the ball and they're there to make plays, which wasn't the case last year. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a fair assessment of the situation. I mean, you're a little bit higher on the receivers than I am. You're being a little bit more I mean, I don't think they were anywhere as bad as they have been last year. And I think you also sure. got to think that they're handicapped in the fact that, especially now, teams know, like, we're not really going to push the ball downfield with someone like that's in a quarterback. And it's really yeah. changed the offense. And it's changed how we, we haven't been able to take advantage of George Pickens because that's his strength. But, no, we can't really even use our best guy because we don't have a quarterback that can fit his skill set. Let's talk about George Pickens because I have a theory on George Pickens, and I'm curious to get your take because I haven't had a chance to ask you about this on the show. Why do you think George Pickens has not been as effective this year as we all fully expected him to be? He has 13 catches for 140 yards, two touchdowns through four games. Why has he not been more of a factor in terms of actually well, catching? George's, George's strength is on the outside. You know, he's more physical. He has better hands. Uh, he can go up and get the ball. And we haven't – I mean, realistic, we don't have a quarterback that's going to throw the ball to the outside. It's just the fact of the matter is Stetson's more productive and more efficient in the middle of the field, and that's not where George is exactly at his strength. Or I think he could do it, but at the same time, we have other guys that that's all they can – you know, that's they're practically all they that's can do. Type thing. Yeah. yeah. I think that's part of it, Curtis. I think it's two things. I think it's that. I think it's the fact that he has a quarterback that clearly has a preference to throw the ball to the middle of the field, and maybe it's just – where he's comfortable, maybe it's because of arm strength issues. I mean, and let's be honest, George George is getting a lot of attention. And when if that's the case, the quarterback he's not going to be his first read with the fact that Stetson is afraid to make. He doesn't want to make the mistake. I mean, some I say he doesn't want to make mistakes, but he will throw into quadruple coverage. So I mean, that doesn't always he, say, he, no. he has not consistently, but he has done that. He absolutely has done that. Then there's what? plays like where George is there too, and he completely underthrows him. You know, they just haven't been able to connect. It's as simple as that. Yeah, and, there, and there, I think there's some reasons for that. I mean, watch it closely. You're right about the the attention that George gets. I mean, there's a lot of plays. And look, it's tough to know who's the primary on any given play, but there are a number of plays where you can see, if you look at the coverage pre-snap, look at how the safeties are shading over George and, and essentially having him doubled before the snap. And when Stetson sees that, he doesn't he, he doesn't even look George's way once the ball is snapped. He's looking elsewhere. He just that, To him, that's kind of like the, that, that's not even an option anymore. I'm not saying every play, but a, a plenty of plays – that I've seen through the first four weeks. So, Curtis, I do think part of it is is the quarterback situation. Part of it is how de- defenses are defending him and giving him so much attention. But here's the other part of this. Because we talked all offseason about how Todd Munkin has done such a great job throughout his career as, as an offensive coordinator of really featuring his best playmakers, guys like Justin Blackman back in, in the old days at Oklahoma State, those kind of guys. He's really done a great job of that. So we were hopeful and expecting him to do the same thing with George Pickens. But here's the difference. Here's what I think, and this is my theory. And I don't know this for sure. I'm curious to get your take on this. I also think part of the problem is that George Pickens only knows how to play one wide receiver position. I think he only knows how to play the X position. Do you agree with me on that? Well, yeah, and I, I think that's why I went with my point about, you know, Stetson's not the guy to get him the ball. We see, like, Jermaine Burton can do the inside slots mm-hmm. and still kind of, you know, create some separation on the outside, where George is a purely outside guy. And if you mm-hmm. don't have a quarterback with a strong arm – you kind of, you you you're, you you just kind of don't have any game. options. 
Yeah. yeah. It limits what we can do with our best playmaker offensively. And that's a problem right now for us. And I think the issue is this is year one of the new system. So maybe if it was the same system that we had last year, George would know how to play more than one position. And look, I'm not saying he does know how to play more than one position. I, that's just my take on it. Cause I don't understand why Because watch it guys. He plays one spot. He plays the X position. We do not move him around. He does not move the slot. He doesn't move anywhere else. And the only explanation for that for me is that we don't feel comfortable that George knows enough of the other positions of how, of how to play those spots. Because if you look at Todd Munkin's past and his history throughout his career, he has moved his guys around. Well, I mean, that's how Jermaine Burton, especially against Alabama, that's how Jermaine Burton was getting open so much is he was moving different positions. Um, you yeah. know, he had the, he has some nice plays out of the slot, and then he had that big catch on the outside. I mean, he was just moving around a lot, and that's what makes him so versatile right now is what he's doing. Yeah, and I, again, I don't know this for fact. I'm not saying this is fact. This is just my supposition. This is my take on what I'm seeing. Because it just, and I know George is not a prototypical slot receiver, but look at what Alabama does with Devonte Smith. One of the reasons that all those, those those receivers are fantastic, they're elite athletes, they're great receivers. But another thing that makes them so effective is they do a great job of moving them around from play to play, and you don't know where they're going to be lined up, and they that helps them create favorable matchups. Like, oh, I don't know, Monty Rice on Devonte Smith down the middle of the field for a 30-yard game. We're not going to win that matchup, but we're not able to do that with George right now, in my opinion, because we're not doing it. And there's got to be a reason why we're not doing that. And my theory on this is that he just doesn't know how to play another position other than the X spot. And I know this is the new offense. I'm not saying George is dumb. I'm not trying to say George Pickens is a dumb player. That's not what I'm saying. It's not his fault that we have a new, new system, new coordinator this year. I think that maybe kind of pushed back his progress, retarded his progress a little bit coming off last year. So maybe we have the same system. He can move around a little more. He would understand more of the offense. But right now, I just don't think that he does. Because otherwise, I don't know what the other explanation would be. So that's my take on that. But back to the overall grade here, I'm going to give him a C plus. I don't think they've been bad. I just don't think they've been particularly great. I know Kiaris Jackson has been really good for us. He's been able to take advantage of all that attention you mentioned that George Pickens has been seeing from opposing defenses who have game plan to take him away and force other t- players to beat him. And Kiaris, for the most part, outside the Alabama game where he wasn't a major factor, has been able to do that. 21 catches, 321, 323 yards, a touchdown in the year. He's basically averaging five catches for 80 yards a game. Jermaine Burton, you mentioned, uh, we had, now he really struggled early in the season, but he started to show flashes in that Alabama game. He's got eight catches for 111 yards in the year. But he also, I mean, that interception, I'm convinced that interception that Dwan Mathis threw in the red zone against Arkansas, was, that was on Jermaine Burton. Now, he, now Mathis here probably looked there and seen that, that he – Missed the side adjustment and should not have thrown that ball. But regardless, I think Burton missed that side adjustment. And that wasn't the only time he's missed that. So some of these young, inexperienced receivers, that's going to happen, and it has happened. So that has impacted my grade a little bit here. And you're right, Kurt. The, the guys have been able to get separation. Like I think our receivers, for the most part, have been consistently open. I think that's yeah, – com- com- Compared to what we had last year where it was – like they literally would just man up and you, we could do nothing. It's not yeah. That's not the case this year. Yeah, no separation. I think part of that is certainly you got to give the receivers credit with their athleticism. I mean, Kirby went out and really addressed that position. A lot of those guys are young. It's, t- it's taking them some time to grow, which is going to happen. But those guys, I think we're much more talented overall, maybe not as experienced, but much more talented at the receiver position overall right now with Gary Jackson becoming a major factor, Jermaine Burr. I really like what I see in terms of his potential. He's not there yet, but we saw some flashes against Alabama. We also saw some things he needs to continue to work on, but we saw those flashes. got his first touchdown. So we're, we're certainly in a better position at receiver right now. I mean, well, if you say the Georgia receiving core minus um, Lawrence Cager last year. But 
it still are, I would still argue, and it's not just the receiver's fault. So, and this was a tough one for me to grade because, again, you're right, Kurt, when you mentioned that some of this has to do with the quarterback limitations. I definitely agree with that. But whatever the reason is, the passing game just isn't dynamic enough right now. There's too much inexperience at receiver. Those guys are still growing up, and we got to grow up fast. Um, and it's it, we're having a tough time. Maybe some of these guys don't understand how to play multiple positions out wide. So we're having a tougher time moving guys around to create some of those matchups that we want. I think Munkin has done a good job of working around that, but it just hasn't been a well-oiled machine in the passing game. Quarterback has been part of that problem, but we've just got to become a little bit more dynamic receiver. Some of these guys got to grow up. I really like what I've seen from Kiaris, but we got to find a way to get Pickens more involved. And when George has chances, he's just got to, he's got to make some of those plays. He's got to keep his head in the game. I think there's sometimes where I don't want George is not a lazy player. George plays with a lot of passion. He loves the game. He loves his teammates. But there's sometimes even just blocking where he's taking some plays off. And that's that's not unusual with receivers, but we've got to get back to just being really aggressive out there, blocking and just and just playing every snap like it's your last snap. So I don't think they've been terrible, but they haven't really been great either. So I'm gonna go a C plus. You could you could talk me into a B minus maybe, but I'm gonna go with a C plus. And we've got plenty more positions to get to, but before we go any further, I do want to pause and remind you about our friends at MyBookie. Between the NFL, college football almost back in completely full swing. We're just waiting on the Pac-12 to get back here in a couple weeks. So that's going on. And yes, even Major League Baseball, the World Series, as of right now, as of the time I'm recording this show, is still going on. So guys, there is so much going on in the world of sports, which means there are thousands of lines available on all your favorite sports and events and you can turn your game day into payday with my boogie. If you're the kind of guy who likes the big favorites or if you like the underdogs, there's a ton of value in both areas. So pick your poison. All you've got to do today to find any game spreads, championship futures, the player prop bets, presidential prop bets, all you got to do is go to my bookie. It's never too late to get in on the action and start turning all that sports knowledge that you guys have into actual cash in your wallet. So go to my bookie, sign up today. And when you do, use our code OVERTIME to claim a deposit match dollar for dollar all the way up to a thousand large. It's a bonus designed to give you just a little bit of help and a head start on your winning season. Again, that's promo code OVERTIME for you to claim your bonus when you make your deposit. We've got stacked UFC cards, presidential prop bets, all the major sports, and so much more. Sign up today to begin your winning season exclusively at MyBookie. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, and rounding out the offensive skill positions, Kurt, what grade would you give the running backs through the first four games? I'll give them a C plus. Okay. All right, now this is one we're kind of reversed. I'm a little bit higher on the running backs than you are, so tell me why you're giving them a C plus. Um, I think we've just been so incredibly inconsistent, um, especially people like Zeus. Um, I mean, I think that our I've been on record saying I think our better um, running backs are the younger guys. But just overall, I don't think we've been getting as much production out of the running backs as we need out of them. And I and I'm not saying and it's not that they don't know what to do, especially when you have Zeus and Cook and things like that. But we just haven't been getting what we need out of them, and I, that that's the re- the reason I really go for it. I mean, our run game yeah against Auburn it was pretty good, but outside that Auburn game, we haven't done that much. 
How much of that do you put on? It's kind of like the same conversation about how much is on the quarterback versus the receivers. How much is that is the running backs versus the offensive line? Um, I mean, I think you can blame it, but I mean, you go back to like that Tennessee game, there was, you know, the other guys were hitting the holes and getting more yards than Zeus was. It, I think it really comes down to who's in at the time and maybe the play calls and things like that. I mean, Zeus, sure. we, and the one thing that really hurts us this year is, yeah, I know we've had the court, like a quarterback play and things, things of those natures, but the one thing that really sticks out to me that I think is affecting us is we just don't have the home run threat this year. And that's mm-hmm. re- one thing that's really hurting our offense like explosiveness wise. I am so glad you went there. Cause that is, that's my concern. I, I think the running backs. I mean, have been even fun. Kendall Milton, Kendall Milton, and Kenny McIntosh, in my opinion, have been two of the better running backs on this so far the, the, this year. And even then, neither of them are home run threat guys. We don't have. I mean, Cook is your only big play guy. I agree. I think that's been a problem for us. And it was a problem for us last year, but it's more so a problem this year. My grades have had to do with the lack of passing game. You still had Swift who could take it to the house. Yes. We just yeah, last year was a function of the passing game it woes. Yes, it was definitely that Swift was a dynamic running back. We've seen him do it in the past plenty of times. But uh, I mean, we're playing Kentucky this week. And two years ago at Kentucky, he had those two big runs where he just left like he just embarrassed people. So we knew we had the guy that could do it. Unfortunately, we weren't able to hit the, as many explosive plays last year in the run game because our passing game was just so dreadful that teams had no respect for whatsoever. And we were just consistently outnumbered in the box. And it was tough to hit some of those plays. Now, sometimes you get outnumbered in the box and get safeties up there. You can hit a crease and there's no safety there and you're gone. But we just didn't do enough of that last year. But it's even more of an issue this year. And I do think it's more a function of the running backs. Because I don't think our passing game, it's been solid. Not dynamic, not elite, but but solid. Our passing game has been better this year than it was last year. I especially the last half, the last half of last year, definitely hundred percent. I mean, Jay Fron was like five straight games under fifty percent completion percentage. Like no, we're we're much more efficient and effective throwing the football right now, hitting stuff off play action. I think Mung has done a good job keeping things off balance, throwing the ball in early downs, play action, all that kind of stuff. I think we've done a really good job with that. So I'm gonna give them a B minus. And like if you look at our our running backs, it's it's an efficiency and an explosiveness thing. Three of our four our four top running backs right now are averaging under five yards a carry. That's not terrible. Like between four and five yards a carry is fine, but that's very pedestrian. That's very mediocre. That's not very Georgia running back you like. That's just not. The only guy averaging over five yards a carry right now is Kendall Milton. He's, he hasn't gotten as many carries. Everyone else is averaging under five yards a touch uh, of the top four backs. At least five yards a carry, I should say touch. But you're exactly right about the explosiveness curse. That is the missing element. And when you are when you have a guy like Stetson Bennett at quarterback, because I've been thinking about this, Curtis, like over the weekend, over the bye weekend, when I was thinking, I was like, man, like really, what is the difference between this Georgia team and the 2017 team that went to the national title? Because our defense is better. Our defense is absolutely better. I think we have more overall talent in this team. So why aren't we seeing like we were in 2017 where we were one of the top – like truly, obviously a national title contender. I don't think people are viewing us like that right now. I know we're top five technically, but I don't know if people really take us seriously with the quarterback situation as a national title contender. And I think one of the issues – you think back – we, we, yeah, we, I mean Jake Fromm was a true freshman. Stetson and Jake Fromm I think are comparable. I think the issue is we don't have Nick Chubb. We don't have Sonny Michelle. That's the issue. And the offensive line may be not quite as good this year. I mean, even the year, the next year or the next year after that, we had uh, Elijah Holyfield and DeAndre Swift who were still, I mean, right now it feels like we've got a whole running back room of just Elijah Holyfields. Yeah, it's you're right. We just don't have that that explosiveness back there. It's a really good way to put it. I mean, here and I got the numbers to back it up, Kurt. Right now through four games, yeah, I know it's only four games, but we only have two carries. Get this stat, guys. So far this year through four games, we only have two carries of 20 or more yards. And let's put that in a little bit of context. In 2017, with Nick and Sony, 
we averaged three carries of 20 or more yards per game in 2017. In 2018, it was very similar. We averaged two and a half carries of 20 or more yards per game in 2018. Now, last year, we did take a little bit of a step back in terms of our explosive runs, as we mentioned just a second ago, and we but we still averaged a little bit over one rush of 20 plus yards a game last season. Right now, through four games, we only have two carries on the season of 20 or more yards. Zeus had one thing. It was right at 20 yards. And against Alabama, Kendall Milton had that 24-yard rush, and that's it. But we have dramatically dropped in our ability to hit explosive rushing plays. And think back to 2017, guys. Seriously, that was one of the things that we count. When you have a true freshman quarterback, well, one of the things that really helped a true freshman quarterback is when you have running backs that can take it to the house on any given play and hit those explosive rush plays. Think about the, the, the Rose Bowl game. Think about Nick Chubb coming out of halftime, hitting that long rush, play, I mean, that, that long run there. Like Jake Fromm was fine as a true freshman, but we weren't going to win that game without those explosive running plays. Sony Michelle to win the game. We weren't going to win the game without those plays. And right now we're just not hitting them. And that's a problem for us on offense because we are not dynamic in the passing game right now with the quarterback situation we've got right now. And you have a lot of inexperienced receiver. We're not dynamic in the passing game. We need this rushing game to kick into high gear and not just become efficient, but become explosive. And I just, I don't know. I think uh, you mentioned Zamir Whitecker. I love this guy. I love Zamir and I root for him. But I, th- I do think a part of the reason that we haven't been as explosive is Zamir White is getting such a heavy volume of carries right now. Zamir has a role in this team. He's a good running back. He is not. He has not shown me coming off the knee injuries that he's an explosive running back. He and still hasn't right. showed that initial burst. Um, maybe he's still another year out, like you've seen where Nick Chubb's finally, or he was, you know, his for his rookie year and his, his second year. In the league, he was showing that burst that he did. He showed not even in that last year at Georgia when he was still very successful. Um, so maybe he's still out, but right now he's just not our most explosive running back, and that, that's why, especially with Cookout, I lately have been advocating for the younger guys to start getting carries. And now it yeah. hurts with McIntosh, you know, not at a hundred percent. But the fact of the matter yeah. is, we're just not getting that initial rush, that burst that we need yeah. to be successful. I agree on McIntosh. I think he's the he's our best back right now. I think Kendall Mil- I think he and Kendall Milton should be getting the majority of the carries. But right I mean, now, just like that one Kendall Milton broke for that like twenty yard run against Alabama. I yep. don't believe Zeus makes that run. He burst through the hole so quickly that the linebacker he ran right by the linebacker, and it was just because of his initial burst. It was, it's the initial burst, and Kendall Milton also has really really good feet. He has really great lateral quickness, which is the same thing as Kenny McIntosh. And you're right, like. Kittle Milton and Kenny McIntosh are not the equivalent of Sonny Michelle and Nick Chubb and DeAndre Swift. They're not that kind of explosive, but I think they're more explosive than Zeus is. I've seen more burst from them. Honestly, I have. And right now, Zeus has seven more carries on the season than the next three guys combined. He has seven more carries than James Cook, Kittle Milton, and Kenny McIntosh combined. And I think that's got to change moving forward. I really do. We've I got think you'll see it because, I mean, before Kenny McIntosh was, was hurt, Zeus wasn't getting the bulk of the carries. Like, they were quick, more quickly. Yeah rotating i felt like yeah i, I agree with that and, I, and i'm really hopeful you mentioned kenny mcintosh's injury sounds like he's he didn't practice at all last week according to kirby in his press conference today hopefully he'll get back on the field today we'll find out but uh, we we need him to get healthy because i think he's i th- honestly think he's our best all-around back right now i, we I definitely think- need him for florida to be healthy. i mean he, yeah. and he's explosive in the return game also i mean karis yeah. did a great job and you know now that we see this i honestly don't i i'm questioning why our return game is not karis and kenny both back there i agree I, I think that's a great question right now. Because there's no I, way that Zeus should be back there as a potential to return kicks. Yeah. 
I know he's kind of the blocking guy, but he but they'll kick it to him because Kenny's when he's having when he's running the ball well on the, on the kickoffs, they're going to kick it to Zeus, and we got to have somebody back there that can actually go out there and make some plays. And, and I'm saying that Zeus can't, but he's just not that kind of explosive back right now. But all right, let's close out the offensive side of the ball with the offensive line. They struggled early, we know that, but they were at least showing signs of rounding into form. So Curtis, looking at it in totality through four weeks, what grade are you giving the offensive line? I'm going to go with the B. I don't think that they've ever truly been embarrassed during the I game. And, you the know, first half they of, have, the, of the Arkansas game was pretty rough. Yeah, but I think a lot of that had to do with the quarterback play at the same time because they were just, you know, it, it became almost like a last year's thing where it was just a complete numbers game. And, and I think we were out of the out of there is also. I hate to say that, but I think it's also really helped to get Warren McClendon in the game. I think he's improved. Yeah, to say game. now that Warren McClendon is playing, it's been a completely different offensive line. Also, at the same time, um, but I do think that they've improved and they haven't drastic. They haven't just been embarrassed. I mean, there's been times where they're getting pressure, but I honestly think that they've held their own for the most part pretty dang well. Um, you know, they didn't get much push against Tennessee, but you know, we didn't take a lot of sacks. I just I don't think that you can sit here and blame them for the play, and I think that they have been getting improved, or they have improved, especially like you mentioned. Once we decided to put more McClendon in, we've been getting some more continuity, and they looked better as a unit since then too. Also, yeah, I agree. We've certainly improved from week one, and really like the first half of week one. Second half, we were a little bit better. It just wasn't a great look, and I had some serious concerns. But I'm not going to say I'm com- they completely ease my concerns but i think they have improved there's no doubt there i think they've been up and down i thought they were really good in the auburn game and that auburn defense front wasn't good i told you guys coming the game they weren't gonna be that good and we controlled that line of scrimmage tennessee we we didn't get as much movement against them uh but we come back against alabama and i think that was probably the best like the most talented even the front that we faced all year and i thought we were able to get a lot of movement against alabama i thought in fact i think we should have I've said this before. I'll say it again. I think we should have run the ball more. I know it's easier said than done, and it's hindsight is twenty twenty. I get all that, but we were having a lot of success when we ran the football against Alabama, and I think the offensive line did a really good job of moving a really talented Alabama front. Maybe not an elite or a deep Alabama front, but a talented group. I mean, those are guys that everybody in the country wanted. And so I, I think they've been good. I think it's just been it's been inconsistent, up and down. I, I'm I'm right right there with you. I'm gonna give them a B minus. I'm really kind of holding that Arkansas game against because that was – I still have, like, nightmares after that game. Like, oh, my God. But if you look at the grades, like, on Pro Football Focus, pass block grade hasn't been great. It hasn't been terrible. We're, in the, you know, number 28 nationally in Pro Football Focus pass block grade, number 14 nationally in the run block grade. We're running the ball with a fair amount of efficiency. We haven't been explosive. I don't think that's necessarily on the offensive line. I mean, line realistic, because- I feel like if you look at Pro Football Focus, offensive line play around the country has honestly been down this year. Yeah, it, it really has compared to the past couple of years. But, I mean, we've been fine. Like, I, I think if you look at the numbers, 28th in pass block, 40th in run block, I think that's fine. It's good. It's solid. I think a B- minus is good and solid. It's not elite. It's not terrible. It's it's good. It's kind of like sets a minute. Not bad. Been good, but just not elite. Not not what we've seen the past couple of years. But this t- it's a still a really young unit for the most part. Guys are in new spots. I, mean, I guess outside of Ben Cleveland. We have a lot of new faces and new spots. And it takes some time to gel. I think we're starting to see signs of that happening. And I think they're only going to continue to get better and improve as we go on. It hasn't been a, a perfect first four weeks. But I think we, we've seen signs of this team, this offensive line improving. I really liked what I saw against Alabama. So I'll give them a, a B minus. But all right, let's move it over to the defensive side of the ball. This might have been A's all around. I don't know, prior to the Alabama game. But now that some potential deficiencies have maybe cropped up a little bit after that game, that might not be the case now. And let's kick things off defensively up front with the defensive line, Curtis. What grade are you giving the defensive line? 
Um, I think I'm going to go B plus with the defensive line. I think they played really well. Um, Alabama just had a great game plan to take away our aggressive nature of it. And I think really by the end of the game, they were just worn out when they started getting the rushing yards. So I think I'm going to give them a B plus because outside that game, they've dominated the line of scrimmage against every team we have played. Yeah, that's why I'm actually I'm gonna be a little bit higher. The Alabama game wasn't the best look. I think they really got worn down in the second half. I think we were fine the first half against the run. It's also it's tough when you can't really help them out at all when when you're stressed so much by that defense, by, by that offense and those skill players and what they can do. It's just a really tough team to defend. We all know that. We saw that firsthand. So, but I'm gonna give them an A minus, and it would have been an A, would have been an A plus before the Alabama game. Now the Alabama game dropped down to an A minus. But look, we're still a top five rush defense nationally, giving up less than 70 yards a game. We're, we're still – I still think it's the best defensive front in America. I believe that. The best front six, front seven, whatever you want to say nowadays in modern football. I still think it's the best. I do want to see more pass rush from the interior, but I think that I've said this for years. It's more about scheme than it is those players. I mean, guys like Devontae Wyatt, those guys can get some pressure if they're, if they're given the opportunity to do that. I just don't think they're asked to do that. But we do need to do a better job. At, so one thing I've always been harping on, convert rush defense to pass rush more consistently. But we have so much depth. A lot of guys playing at a really high level. I think Jordan Davis – has been the MVP of the defense, and I think he's might be the best team's lineman in the entire league. I, I wish he would stay another year. I just don't think that's going to happen. But I think we, we've been versatile. We've been really effective. The Alabama game wasn't our best game, but I don't think that's who we are. I think that's still the anomaly right now. We've dominated every other team that we faced up front. So I'm going to go with an A- minus that defensive line. But all right, let's move back one level to the inside linebackers. And Curtis, I want to take inside and outside linebackers separately here. What grade are you going to give the inside linebackers specifically? Um, I think I'm also going to go with the B-plus for them. They've played really well, um, especially Monty and Nicobe as your starters. Um, going back and watching the Alabama game, Quay definitely showed his inexperience at times with his reads. I've noticed, especially in the second half, when they started breaking some runs, a lot of it seemed to have to do with his um, just not He's reading the play. Right. Yeah, yeah th- that's the one thing I've noticed was just he was not reading the play very quickly. And that, um, but I mean, outside of even Quay has played well, he's just still inexperienced when it comes to stopping the run. He's better as, in the passing game right now because he can just use his pure athletic ability. But outside that, Nicobe and Monty, especially those two, have done really well of coming up and being aggressive. Um, to the likes of our linebacker cores, better than I think even than it was when we have Roquan because. Outside Roquan, it was really all him that year. And I think we're pretty pretty well balanced at the inside linebacker position this year. Yeah, Roquan himself was a monster. Just in Yeah, Roquan could have made the group an A-plus yeah. just by himself. But when you take it into a whole, I think we're actually getting more consistent play out of the group in, as a whole than we yeah. did back yeah. then when we had a Buckus Award winner. I, I totally agree. I mean, I, I'm sorry. I'm going to take Nicobe Dean and Quay Walker both over Natures, Patrick, and Reggie Carter. Love those guys. God bless them. I'm taking I'm taking our guys now over the guys in 2017. I just am. So, yeah, I think that's, that's fair to say all around we're better there. I, I'm, I'm going to give the inside linebackers an A-. minus. I think they've been really good, especially against the run. Some minor issues against the pass. I mean, it's, but look, when, when Alabama is able to scheme Monty Rice being matched up on Devontae Smith. Like, that's not Monty Rice's fault. Honestly, I thought Monty did a really good job in that one in that one play of staying with him. Yeah, especially when you don't even commit a penalty. I thought, he, you know, he played it physically enough without getting yeah. flagged. Yeah, I thought, I thought he did a pretty good job. And Kobe's been really good in pass coverage as our third down inside linebacker. Quay's been good. I mean, we, he's so versatile. We use him in that third down package at times. We have so many guys that we use in that third down package, that dime package. We use him as a blitzer. We use a guy covering guys in space. And you're right, the Alabama game, he played more. I think he played over 50 snaps in that game. He played more than he's ever played because Monty is dealing with you that. You could footage. tell that Monty, those rumors of Monty not being 100% may have been true. Oh, they um, were. I heard he was in a boot all last week. Yeah, just the lack of, you know, exp- the just plays he played. 
Yeah, he just didn't, he was rotating. He wasn't in near as much as he normally is uh, in that Alabama game. And, and credit to the guy for, to Monty for fighting through that. Um, but but Quay, uh, he he showed his potential. I mean, that guy, I think he's uh, has the highest ceiling of any of our anti linebackers. But you're right, he's he doesn't he hasn't played as many snaps as 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 Monty and Nicobe. And the run fits weren't perfect. Now he was fine at times, but there were some there were some plays where there was some indecision where he was hesitating and he allowed the lineman to get up on him and it created some holes for for Najee Harris to run through. And also where he just made he just fit in the wrong hole, the wrong gap at times. But that that comes with that comes with experience. And I think we he showed us what he's capable of doing once it all clicks for him. I think I still believe in Quay Walker, and I think this guy, honestly, in terms of his ceiling, who knows if he'll get there. I think his ceiling is higher than any linebacker on the team right now. But overall, I think they've been really good. A big part of why we've been such a good rush defense, not just the defense lines, that front six in general. I'm going to give him an A minus. But all right, next up, let's talk about the outside backers. Curtis, how do you feel about their performance to date? Um, I'm going to go with A minus for them. I definitely think that they've lived up to the hype. Yeah. Um, Alabama, we didn't get the sacks we wanted, but they just had a great game plan of getting rid of the ball quickly and kind of nullified our pass rush. But overall, I thought, I mean, and the one thing that's impressed me about our outside linebackers is we've been able to create pressure without having to do crazy blitzes. I mean, we have brought crazy blitzes, don't get me wrong, but at the same time, they've been good enough just to go right at you on third downs. The only game where that's not true is Alabama. And that, but the Alabama offensive line is the best we're going to face all year. But I, I, will, I, I will definitely agree with you and say we are able to create more of a natural pass rush than we have in the past two or three years, that's for sure. We're right now, I know we've only had three Power 5 conferences playing, but right now we're top 15 nationally in sacks per game. And to give you some comparison, last year we were 60th nationally in sacks per game. In 2018, we were 100th nationally. So through four games, about midseason, midway through the year, we've, in, we've improved dramatically with that natural pass rush. And some of that sure is our third down package, but we had that same package last year. Guys like Aziz Ojolari are getting the quarterback and making Adam Anderson is really, you know, taking yes. his role on well. Um, yeah. Just, you know, taking pride in being that third down guy, which has really changed everything. Jermaine Johnson, I think, is continuing to improve. And I, being selfish, I hope he comes back, especially after missing some games this year. Because um, he's become, I mean, he, just as a whole, when you put in Aziz, uh, Adam Anderson, Nolan, Jermaine, I mean, yep, they're just very, and- very deep there. You mentioned Adam Anderson. Like I think it's I think what did he play against Alabama? He played three snaps against Alabama. I know Jermaine Johnson came back and they ate into his snaps. That's unforgivable. Adam Anderson cannot play three snaps. He's our best pass rusher. Against a team that we have to be able to rush the passer because we not be able to, to man up on them on the outside consistently. Why he played three snaps is beyond me. I just don't understand it. I know they're big and physical and he's not. I get I understand that, but we need to get the quarterback and he just wasn't in the game. Three snaps is not enough. But Azizo Jalari right now is top five of the SEC in, in sacks. He's really taking that next step. Uh, we have a top 20 pass rush grade on pro football focus overall. So we're not an elite pass rushing team in terms of standard downs. When we get teams to third downs, then we become an elite pass rush team. But standard downs, we're still not elite, but we're so much better than we have in the past couple of years. We're taking steps in the right direction there. So for me, I'm going to go, I'm, I'm going to go with a, with a solid, I'm going to go with a solid A, uh, B plus. You could, you could, I can say B, B plus, but I like what I've seen from this team, the progress they made. So I'm gonna go with an A here. I'm gonna, oh, you know, I'm, I'll say A minus, A minus, A minus for this. What, what grade did you give them? I think I gave them A minus also. Yeah, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll agree with you. I give them an A minus. And finally, let's wrap up this report card with the defensive backfield as a whole. We're gonna take corners, safeties, stars, take them all together. This is a unit that certainly had its fair share of issues against Alabama. But Curtis, when you take the season as a whole, what grade are you giving our DBs? I'm only giving them a B, and the reason I'm giving them that I almost went with a B minus is the fact that even take out the Alabama game, they are still giving up way too many big plays. That's the issue. 
We're, we're not. I mean, go back to the court. Arkansas game. The the, real, the true only touchdown they scored offensively was on a big play over Richard that should never have happened. Uh, Tennessee, two big plays. I mean, just yep. stuff that we can't afford, and that's why I wasn't surprised when Alabama was hitting the big plays because other teams have had success hitting big plays against us that shouldn't. Yep. And, and I told you guys, like I told you that Arkansas game, I was like, that's what's going to kill us. We have to play with better eye discipline because you can get away with poor eye discipline against Arkansas. You can give it one touchdown because you can still beat Arkansas. You're just that much better. And you can even get away with it against Tennessee, right? Because you're just that much more talented. But when you play a team like Alabama, you cannot get away with that. They're too good. And we saw some of the same issues. Now, it wasn't so much eye discipline issue against Alabama. We just got flat out beat man to man. That's what happened there. Um, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm pretty much in agreement with you here, but I'm gonna go just a slight grade lower. I'm gonna go a B minus. I don't think it's been C level, but they haven't been elite. I mean, we're 68th nationally right now in pass defense. I know, obviously, we played Alabama, and that's way, not, and that's not acceptable either with how much experience we have coming back there. It's not acceptable, and I know that's skewed because we've played Alabama, and not every team has played Alabama. I get that, but right now we're giving up 253 yards a game, and this is not a one year thing. You go back to last year, our rush defense was elite, just like it was this year, and our pass defense wasn't terrible, but it wasn't nearly as good as our rush defense we've got to get better there and right now we have no and look i don't know how much you guys put into pro football focus but according to pro football focus's grades we have no cornerback on the team that is grading out higher on the season than a 63 no corner on the team and that's sad because it's a money year for a lot of these guys yep and tyson campbell's had his moments he's been really good at times like he shut down seth williams but he also had a really rough game all of our corners against alabama we just couldn't we could not we were with them. We just couldn't make the plays. They were making the plays over our guys. They weren't just burning us consistently. We just weren't making plays when they were there to be made. He falls down on one play. just can't do that. And then the DBs as a whole, we have no player, no defensive back rated higher than a 68 right now. Great guys are higher than 68, and that's Lewis Seen. Yeah, especially more. our defensive backs is worrying me. Tyreek Stevenson's getting burnt. In yeah, his grade's in the 50s right now. He, he has not – I mean, I had high expectations for him. He, it, hasn't, it hadn't clicked for him right now this year. He's getting, he's getting burned in man coverage. It's a problem. And that slot position is tough. I get that. And here's another. Talk about explosiveness, Carl. You mentioned that we're going to way too many big plays. Guys, right now, through four games, we've given up six passing plays of 30-plus yards. We gave up 10 passing plays of 30-plus yards all, all of last year in 14 games. We've already gone more than halfway over that number through only four games so far in 2020. So if you're looking for a potential Achilles heel for our defense that I, that I still believe is one of the elite defenses in the country and maybe even the best defense in the country, but we've got to find a way to limit those big plays, especially in the passing game. We cannot continue to give up those kind of plays. That's, and that's part of our, our whole philosophy defensively is don't give up big plays. And sure, you're going to get beat sometimes. You're playing a team like Alabama, but it's not just Bama. You got two big plays, two explosives against Tennessee. You have one against Arkansas. That can happen. That you simply cannot allow that to happen. Alabama's one thing, but you can't let it happen against other other teams. That's one thing. If we want to even get back in the conversation for an SEC title, we have got to clean that up. We got to get more explosive on offense, and we've got to stop giving up these explosive plays to teams on defense. So that's kind of where we are right now. But all right, guys, that's it for us today here on the Glory UGA podcast. Again, as always, we really appreciate you guys tuning in, supporting the show. We're doing our best to bring you guys as much Georgia football content throughout this 2020 season as we possibly can. We're trying our best to be your one-stop shop for all things Georgia football. We've got a recap show every single week. We've got the mailbag show every week, the game preview show, and then we wrap things up with our picks of the week. Just kind of a fun show to wrap things up at the end of the week. So check back in later on this week. We should have the game preview episode up on Wednesday evening for you guys. At least that's what we're shooting for. 
and then we will wrap up the week with our picks of the week episode that will be up on Thursday evening. So plenty of stuff the rest of the week for you guys, getting you ready for this matchup against the Kentucky Wildcats. But thanks for listening. For Curtis, I'm Tyler, and as always, go dogs. <laughs>